0: Forgot to ask you. You made obviously you made it into my house safe. Any yeah. any issues with the
1: neighborhood gangs? I was eerily confused when I was driving in, and it was um, it's a little chilly out. It is getting chilly. So I didn't see any of the. I didn't see any any of the gangs outside. I expect at least to see the high, the knee high sock gang out there. and I didn't see did not see them. It was very confusing.
0: No, this is this is kind of a we're working our way into a part of the year that I call uh, sanctuary, and that's a part of the year where it's cold enough that they stay inside, and a lot of them go down south. Okay, they go to Florida, safe haven yeah, so this is like okay. a safe haven during right. those times. and so it will be it'll be unusually safe for a little while. okay.
1: I was confused. I was I was like afraid that they were going just gonna jump out us out of nowhere.
0: no, so we'll be good. F- we'll be good until about
1: May that's good. April of next year that, that takes so much stress off of my off of me,
0: yeah. and the nice thing is th- they clear out now i, I I'm sorry because where something good happens something bad must happen somewhere else so while the while we're safe here that means there is a part of like destined florida where there are just innocent floridians that have these monsters f- just yeah. just Cri- flood crime rates
1: go through the roof
0: crime rates go up uh they have a lot of uh, unplanned pregnancies that show
1: up <laughs> yeah and and you know the the issue is like this is right after hurricane hurricane season so they can't even recover it's like hurricane then knee high socks and ankle ankle socks. It's game. just
0: another hurricane. It's just yeah. a hurricane yeah, of a white problem. violence. <laughs> white haired <laughs> violence. <laughs>
1: So today, well, first, who are we? Damn, Andrew, I'll you get did it. so good last time. I know. No, don't
0: say last time because last time will be the episode that comes out next oh, week. Okay. All so, right. uh, spoiler alert: next week I nail it. Yeah, you, uh,
1: you, I mean, or do you? Or do I? <laughs> we'll see.
0: <laughs> this week, on the other hand, I'm still struggling. But you know, maybe in the future I'll get better. We'll see. <laughs> this is just jujitsu. It's a podcast. Uh, if you're not sure what a podcast is, it's like radio on demand. Uh, if you're not sure what a podcast is, then it's really impressive that you found us. Well done. I am Andrew with Corailier, and we're just here to talk about a little bit of jujitsu. Yeah, we just enjoy it. I've dedicated my life to it for the last four years, and by say dedicating my life, I mean just a few hours a week. Now you, on the other hand, you, you've you've basically dedicated your life. You've you've written on paper and blood
1: that you will dedicate your life to yeah this. i sold my soul like when i was like four Oof, what is that like in brazil you just you know
0: what's the ceremony do they how many how yeah, many livestock i can't, is I, can't killed?
1: I can't talk about it
0: oh that's dark stuff i bet yeah mm-hmm. if you wanted to get out of it is there is there a avenue out of this life or are you just here
1: in, until the day you die i don't think there's necessarily a clean way out of this okay so no matter what I took, it'd be it'd be it'd be ugly. Your firstborn would be would have to
0: be given to some type of shot, whatever that hand sign is. God.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah I, I can't either confirm or deny that.
0: I'm glad for the time being you're still here. You're still with us. And today we're going to have a couple listener emails. We're okay. going to go over those. But first, we want to do a little bit of an ADCC recap. Yeah. Uh, hold on, we have the jingle. Pew, 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 pew. Ew.
1: A-D-C-C Recap
0: Oh my god
1: okay all right that's that's you now that was very awkward (laughs) to watch you do that was very very awkward what do
0: you think was worse (laughs) the way it sounded or the way it looks but
1: the combination cannot be topped all right well thankfully the people (laughs) listening will only see one of those yeah you guys are blessed (laughs) (laughs) all right
0: so we're we're a week after adcc
1: beforehand you you talked a little bit about it yeah so um i did get some things right uh there would be a lot of a lot of um upper and lower body ex- experts. And I did mention that there would be a lot of rule playing and, and wrestling involved. Um, I think I kind of nailed those points in the head. One thing I I, I, I vastly underestimated, and, and for those of you that don't know, I, I watched all 118 matches um, that weekend from start to end. No fast forward, you no know, nothing. 118 matches. Yep.
0: Okay. So uh, how long... Did you? You probably didn't clock how
1: long that took, but I mean, each match is they're averaging about fifteen minutes. Wow! Because we had, we had. um, I mean, don't get me wrong. There's some that were quick, two minutes, three minutes. Um, Some that were ten minutes, but we had others that were, you know, thirty minutes. Um, And the benefit of. having
0: that's 30 hours it's about 30 hours of of ADCC
1: thanks thanks for making me feel like a worthless piece of shit hey you
0: know that's why on this show you are the the go-to source of knowledge and I'm just the guy who goes and makes stupid noises
1: the the benefit of of having uh, access to the videos is you know there are for the for the semi for the for the first day there are three matches going at any given time so while I couldn't watch them all simultaneously and pay attention and break them down simultaneously, it was easy to go from one to the other. Mm-hmm. There's no waiting period. There's no delay, um, which would happen in a live event, right? I mean, they'd have to announce the people coming out and all that, which I didn't care about that. i would watch a match. As soon as it was over, I just clicked on the next one. Mm-hmm. So it did save me a little bit of time. Um, but yeah, it's definitely a long weekend.
0: Yeah. So what were, uh, Who were some of the standout people that you you really Um, enjoyed watching? Man, like...
1: Oh, I don't know. Like, out of the women, it was really cool to see um, uh, Bia Basilio, I believe. Um, She won her weight class. She's 22. It was very, very impressive to see her do. To see her win. She beat some incredible people on her way to to first. Um, It was you know uh, cool to see Gordon Ryan back up what he talks um, I didn't necessarily I don't necessarily appreciate the shit talking but I do appreciate the fact that he does what he says he's gonna do um,
0: Would he won his weight class
1: yeah he won his weight class and absolutely he double golded
0: okay and did he have some close matches was he just yeah, far so away no,
1: so he had he had two the two so he fought um, I think he fought eight times six times and he, he submitted, yeah, I think he had eight matches. He submitted six, or it was six and he submitted four. I think it was eight and six. But um, yeah, no, he, before I talk about him, as far as Bia goes, she Bia submitted Fionn Davis um, for first. Fionn is a English competitor. It was the second time in there. She got absolutely demolished her first year. This year she made it to second. Um, I hope she's okay. She had like a, a nasty toehold done to her and it looked like some damage was done. Um, talking about Fionn Davis, she also, I, I believe it was her that submitted Be Mosquito, who was the, the very, very, very heavy favorite to win that weight class. Um, she caught her in a, an arm bar off of a reverse triangle. It was beautiful. I think she also broke her arm or very heavily hurt her arm. Those are the, to me. Those are the standout matches for the girls. For the guys, with with Gordon, um, he kind of walked through the first guy, walked through the second guy, and not that those guys weren't good, but he's just he was just better, he better prepared. Um, then he fought uh, the Hulk uh, Lucas Barbosa for um, to make it to the finals, and Barbosa was um, Barbosa was probably his toughest match in that weight class, and Barbosa was confident came out saying that he had no problem fighting gordon he had no chance and to be fair the match was incredibly tight all the way to the end where gordon scored three um and couldn't submit him it was what was his first non-submission win of the tournament and then in the absolute gordon fought um he fought bushisha for the finals which was kind of like the dream matchup um the other match that I wish would have happened would have been Vinny versus Gordon, but Vinny got knocked out early. So I believe the guy's name was Gabriel. He's a Brazilian. He actually Gabriel's been one of these guys, he's like a sleeper. He kinda comes up out of nowhere. He's been like he's not loudmouthed. Nobody really knows who he is, but he did, you know, impressively well at Pans at at, at the Mundial's The Worlds in the gi. He he's been steadily placing third or fourth in the process of doing that in the major tournaments, knocking out some really, really tough people. So he was no slouch by any means, but he's just maybe a little bit unknown. And he, he managed to beat um, Vinny on, I believe it was a decision. And then Gordon kind of walked through him. I think Vinnie would have been a tougher matchup for Gordon than than this guy was. But Bushisha and and Gordon was interesting to watch because Bushesha is obviously you know, about 50 pounds heavier than Gordon, just as you know on the same good diet and just as jacked and ripped as Gordon is. Uh, maybe not as technically proficient. I do believe Gordon ha- is more technical than Bushesha. And this, this is not to knock on Bushisha I just think Gordon is probably one of the more technical guys out there. Um, But Bushesha is just a freak athlete, where Gordon is not really a freak athlete. He's a very well-trained and very well-conditioned athlete, but he's not. And you can see it in movement, like on their feet. Bushesha moves much lighter on his feet, much faster on his feet. Gordon kind of looks like he's walking through molasses. And the match went about how I thought it would. Bushesha would want to keep it on his feet to where his agility and athleticism takes advantage. And Gordon wouldn't want to play that game because of fear of getting scored on. Uh, The match went pretty much 0-0 for like 30 minutes until the very last, I think, like three or four minutes. uh, Gordon did just enough more to cause Bushesha to um, get a, a, a stalling, a negative on his end. And he won basically off of a negative point that they gave to Bushesha. Which brings me to my point of the only thing I didn't predict was how overwhelmingly dominant rule manipulation was in this event. And I did not appreciate that.
0: It's similar to the world.
1: Yeah, but, but for a long time, ADCC had rules built to, to help avoid uh, rule manipulation. You, know, you cannot score the first five minutes of the match, which would suggest that you should go for submissions in those first five minutes because nothing can happen to you. And then after the first five minutes, points can be scored, and that that's when it counts. That's when it matters, right? Um, but man, like it was. Again, I'm gonna bring up like Nicky Rodriguez because he's one of the guys that was um, like, a, like a surprising star. I didn't think he'd get as far as he did. He got second place at 99 plus kilogram. Um, it was very very surprising. Absolutely, he's a he's a he's a beast, you know. But he he's a blue belt. And he's competing with nothing but black belts, world champion black belts out Dan there. guy,
0: right?
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, I think he cross-trains with Dannerher. I think he's officially under somebody else. Okay. But yeah, he trains enough with Dannerher to to be part of that team, right? So, um, so he goes out there and beats Ali. Now, Ali is, I think he weighed in like a 263 or 264, and he is a gigantic muscled well-conditioned world champion black belt incredible athlete gi or gi, and he beats ali on a uh, zero zero match how 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 would you beat somebody like that right i mean you obviously don't have the skill to beat that guy so how how could you possibly defeat him and i am not knocking on nikki rodriguez because if i had a student that was not as technically proficient as the guys they're competing with, I would develop a very tactical game plan too. He played the part. He acted. Not he didn't act. He was very aggressive on his feet. He relied on his wrestling for that. He was capable of looking like the aggressor, looking like the dominant person, looking like the person pushing for it, even though very rarely was he delivering damage with that aggression it just looked that way match went zero zero they gave it to nikki rodriguez and that could have been a wash either way i think nikki took muhammad down uh muhammad ali down twice i think ali took him down twice you know but they gave it to nikki so then rodriguez went on to fight orlando sanchez big o and orlando is a previous adcc champion he was like second place last year absolutely a savage obviously not as well conditioned as nikki rodriguez so nikki rodriguez wore him out on his feet and just got him tired he just outworked him again delivering very little damage there was a close call about two minutes in where i think or a big old underestimated Nicky's agility he's the like, dude is incredibly agile for as big as he is but orlando recovered and Nikki didn't want any part to do with the ground, and he he won that match, right on the re- I think it was like a referee's decision, or maybe he scored a couple points at the end. I don't remember, but basically it was athleticism that beat there. It was an ability, and then he fights Cyborg, who um, I, I believe he was a little bit of a sore loser. He made a lot of comments to loss to to Rodriguez, um, but he um, he. He took a different approach. He obviously saw, we can't. I can't take Rodriguez down. None of these guys could. So I'm gonna do what I'm good at and avoid what he's good at. So Cyborg sat down and said, come do jujitsu. And Rodriguez did just enough to look like the aggressor, to look like he wasn't stalling, to look like he was not avoiding Cyborg's guard, took him out of ahead. And again, I'm not hating on Rodriguez. It was, a, it was a beautiful plan. I mean, it was like a world-class planning and discipline to stick to that plan. He won that match, I believe zero zero, and uh, on referee's decision. And then he fought, Canan um, Duarte, and Duarte beat him. Canan um, is a savage. He's a world world champion. He's a black belt. He's 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 good, and he he's young like Rodriguez. He's just as big as Rodriguez, and he gives no shits. So I kind of nullified a lot of Rodriguez's like attributes. Mm-hmm. Um, but the only reason I'm mentioning Rodriguez is not to To lessen his victory it's incredibly impressive that a two-year practitioner uh, can even make it into the Abu Dhabi but much less get second place by beating world champions ADCC champions black belts I mean it's incredible the dude is absolutely very very good Um, but we cannot underestimate the value of the rule playing that was performed here and and that was apparent in all the matches I watched. People are playing the rules, were use them to their advantage. A lot, of, I think. I think ninety percent of the matches went zero-zero. It was horrible.
0: So they're playing the rules, but it sounds like still at the end of the day, it is at least more entertaining
1: than when
0: you watch someone play the rules
1: in, let's say, well,
0: Worlds. Absolutely,
1: because in Worlds they're gonna score an advantage, which means it's not even a full technique, and they're just gonna hold on. Where um, in in Abu Dhabi there's no advantages, right? So you have to score. Otherwise, it's the referee's decision, and you have to take that chance that maybe you don't get that win, mm-hmm. right? Where Nicky Rodriguez, as a blue belt, had no reason to not take that chance, no reason to not take that gamble because he couldn't submit those guys he's grappling with. I mean, like, what what are the? I mean, he could anybody can submit anybody else, but what are the odds that a blue belt, a highly athletic blue belt, is gonna? out grapple a world champion black belt Mm -hmm. equal you know physicality um so again or like there was a match with um where nikki ryan who fought me out to me that was the most beautiful match in the tournament in the sense of uh, it was zero-zero. Nobody was scoring. It was very, very tight. And Nicky Ryan was trying to pass Meow's guard, which I think is just about impassable in the gi, in, in no gi. I mean, I think it's just about impossible to pass his guard in no gi. The dude is hyper flexible, very, very mobile, very agile, very coordinated. Obviously, very good. But Nicky did his best, and he just could not make it happen. At a 5 minutes and 4 seconds, okay, at a 5 minute mark, points count. Mm-hmm. At 5 minutes and 4 seconds, Nikki Ryan raises his hands, sits on his butt, lays down. He lays his shoulders on the mat. The guy says, 5 minutes, points count. Nikki Ryan stands up, right? Because if the 5 minute mark had hit and Nikki was staying up and somehow he got off balance and swept, it would have been 2 points, meow. Okay. But if they started both on their butt and that's a neutral position. So if he stands up and gets swept, it doesn't count. I see. You see, so it was a brilliant move on Nikki's part. I mean, he, he knew, hey, I had five minutes to do whatever I could to this guy and Meow is a much better point player than, than Nicky is. So Nicky said, I, I obviously can't give up points on him. I'm gonna have to play the rules really well to win here. And he stands up, and Meow stands up and Meow realizes very quickly that Nikki has got better wrestling than he does. And now both of them being on their feet is disadvantageous for him. And what was beautiful about Meow's plan was he said, fuck it, I'll give up a point. Because if it's past the five minutes and you sit down in Abu Dhabi, you give up a point to pull guard. Mm-hmm. So he just sat down. He lost he gave give a point to Nicky, which then forced Nikki to engage um, meow swept, sweeps Nikki and wins two, two to a negative, and he wins the match that way. And again, Nikki showed incredible fight IQ at that early age. I think he's only 17 or 18, which is very, very impressive. But it, to me, the, the pretty part was we saw a player, we saw a fighter, play the rules to his benefit, and we saw somebody else decision, you oh, know what, fuck it, I trust my skills more than the rules set, and he was willing to give up a point. To benefit the rule player to come out ahead not that Nicky is by default a rule player but in that match he was the rule player
0: right so as we sit here and we talk about adcc and the guys there competing it's one of the highest levels that we see in competition in uh jujitsu we're going to transition to our emails where we have our first one where a guy is kind of talking about how do you best prepare yourself for competition, for getting better at jiu-jitsu, for excelling and progressing in your, uh, in your, in your practice, uh, practicing, practicing. Our first email is from Tim. Tim is from Australia. Says, good day. Croiler, parentheses, Aries and Andrew. I like him less now. I, I like him more. So you guys just have to figure when you say that you have to realize there's a, there's a scale. And I know on my side, that that weighs much heavier and a Croiler's it, it basically I'm gonna like that, Croiler's gonna hate it, so you have to take that with a grain of salt and realize if we're in a street fight or if we're in an alley, who do you want? Who do you want being your friend? <laughs> <laughs> I know at that point I don't even want to be my friend. <laughs> Alright, so he says, uh, says I have some questions that you might be able to answer. What do you find to be the most effective training methods for both competitors and hobbyists? And then this is, this is a very well thought out email. He, he gives us examples. He starts off and he says, Lachlan Giles has an interesting Instagram post on improving in jujitsu, which I will link. Would like to know your thoughts. So let's start off with this first one. Okay. Uh, if we look at this email, this Instagram that he posts to from Lachlan's Instagram, which is Lachlan underscore underscore Giles, it's from September second. And he says, improve by doing the right moves more, not by doing the by doing more things. And then he said, if you had to rank the following by how much they improve your jiu Jitsu performance out of ten, how would you do so? And then he kind of he gives these different things and he he ranks them, but essentially, uh, he, he says about seven, eight different categories. Warm up that doesn't involve a partner. So I'm just going to go through these categories. You tell me which you think are valuable, which kind of take priority. So the first one was warm up that doesn't involve a partner. I guess that would be some type of light workout, running around the mat, pushups, mm-hmm. that type of stuff. Warm up by drilling with a partner. Drilling the thing that you're working on drilling the class theme directed by the coach specific training the thing you are working on specific training the class theme the other one is rolling strength and conditioning or mobility so as we look through those we don't have to you don't have to pick every single one and categorize it but what from those do you say like instantly like in order to have a good jujitsu game you have to
1: Prioritize this thing. Um, you you most definitely have to. Uh, if I'm picking specifically from this list,
0: well, okay, right, I mean, well. If, if you're just looking um,
1: through that list, I was gonna say technical training. He calls it specific training, but yeah, I think technical training is the best thing you can do. Um, if you have a if you have a a technique or a concept or a series of attacks or a position you're looking to develop, the more time spent in that position and the more experience you can gain in that particular position, the better. I wouldn't necessarily say the things that you're working on versus what your coach wants the class to learn um obviously there's less focus when the coach is teaching the entire class versus when they're teaching you however this implies that anybody is capable of self-assessing where they need to develop right right now if you're a black belt sure you can do that right if you've been a brown belt for a while you can do that too you're a blue belt you don't even know which side of the mat is is up or down you know so you have to be careful with generalizing that statement, but as an overall rule, I do think that um, I do think that developing a position and spending time in it and doing specific training, specific rolling, you know, technical rolling for that matter, and and having a, a healthy flow and influx of techniques regarding that position will be the way to go.
0: I'll, I'll read. The rest of this segment he has Because they all kind of tie together He'd like to hear our thoughts on Our thoughts, your thoughts really (laughs) Uh, It's common for gyms, he says, to have a warm-up To drill a number of techniques Then roll until the end How effective is this structure? What percentage of time should we spend drilling versus rolling? I know what we do at our school. You want your people that are at the school to be in shape. Is it your responsibility to have them work out enough that they're in shape? Is it just your responsibility to focus on their jujitsu and they have to worry worry about getting in shape? That's a really loaded
1: question. I mean, are we talking about me as an instructor or me as a businessman? Ooh, let's say you as an instructor. I me mean, as an instructor, my job is to make you technically proficient. My job is not to make you the strongest guy in the room or the fastest guy in the room or make you bulk up or slim down. I can give you advice, but my primary goal as an instructor is to instruct. Now, if we're saying you as a
0: businessman...
1: Weight loss keeps people around.
0: Okay, so I was thinking you'd say workouts scare people away, but you're you're saying that workouts... It
1: depends on the style of workout. If I make the workout so grueling that nobody ends, absolutely... It scares people away nobody sticks but there is a healthy amount of workout i mean if we do a 10 minute warm-up which we usually do in the beginner's class right if we do a 10-minute workout workout that is not miserable that you anybody can finish um the the, the newcomer the white belt coming in the person has never done anything in their life the couch potato the person who works a ton of hours who cannot work out the the person who eats unhealthy because they don't know better all of a sudden they have a 10-minute workout a day every day they will lose weight and they will see those changes at home they will people at work will say hey you look better you've lost some weight what's different what have you changed and that makes you feel good it keeps you coming back but there's a fine balance there where if i go too hard on a workout people don't come back
0: well, and then if you're saying businessman instructor, the businessman's saying, "Yes, if they look better, they'll come back." Correct. But then the the guy who the the real you who's just, I mean, a jujitsu fanatic is saying, "Yeah, I want them to be in shape, but
1: the, that's secondary to them." Absolutely, learning. absolutely. And and you see this in our class, like we we do. Um, and don't get me wrong, we don't do just a workout. So people coming back hmm. um as a white but, belt i
0: mean you are a businessman you roll in a suit and tie i've never seen anyone <laughs> do this before. it's impressive it's a fantastic suit yeah. is that how is that like a three thousand dollar suit it yeah. is because you say that all the time like yeah. careful with my all three thousand yeah, dollars yeah
1: no so i mean there's obviously the motivation for people to come back if they're feeling better right but um the other reason is white belts tend to be spazzier than color belts so the odds of an injury happening during drilling and rolling when you're a white belt that has not properly warm up are far higher than a purple belt who can warm up during rolling because they know how to flow. So by doing the warm up, not only do we keep them motivated about coming back because they feel better, but also it lessens the chances that they hurt themselves during the drilling or the rolling.
0: Now, our Australian friend also Kind of, t- he's talking about the format of a class. Right. You've been to more schools than me, but most of the schools I've been to, they kind of stick to a basic formula of start out light workout, drill,
1: roll. Correct.
0: Would you say that sums up ninety percent of the schools out there?
1: Um, I'll go as eighty percent. Okay. Yeah. What What other formulas do you see? So there are there are um there are schools out there that will not work out at all and not roll. They will be simply uh, reflex development and drilling classes. Um, And they will do that for a long time until you achieve a certain rank or you've proven yourself to be there for a while. You know, they may not want people that don't know anything to roll together. So they may just say, where's your going to drill today? And it's going to be a lot of reflex development and you get, you know, 50 reps or something like that in a day or 100 reps in a day. I don't know.
0: I mean, that sounds, part of that's horrid. appealing. It sounds, it doesn't sound fun, but it sounds like, oh man, I mean, they must have perfect
1: technique. How? That sounds horrid.
0: Yeah, but like, oh, they're doing technique all the time. So are they the best practitioners out there? No. And why not?
1: Um, there's two, there's two, two classes that fall into that school, those schools that either only do techniques for reflex development, where the idea is to just kind of learn how to move them to the movement and to execute that movement when the time is right. And then the other side of the people that are drilling so that they develop muscle memory. So when it comes time to grappling, they can execute that move as fast as possible with as little thought as possible. Those are not the same thing, right? One implies I am assessing the situation and performing this move as needed. The other saying, I need this move to work. Therefore, I must be able to do it fast. Ironically, they both fall in the same category. One's calls it reflex development, where we're developing a lot of time, spend a lot of time just moving the same way over and over. And others will say, we're just gonna drill until we get it. Mm-hmm. But it's the same thing, just different different mentality behind the movement, right? Um, the problem I have with um, that kind of training mentality, and it's not necessarily it's wrong, is it just, I feel like it develops a very robotic response to whether it's a fight, whether it's self-defense, whether it's MMA, or whether it's a grappling match, or just rolling with other people in school, it develops a very robotic response, which is very, very good early on. As a white belt and blue belt, that's very good, that you just do exactly as you are expected. However, if that mold doesn't break, it'll lead to you being very reliant on a very predictable system. Mm -hmm. And you will lack creativity and the ability to adapt and improvise. And somebody will derail your train or pull you out of that well-beaten road, that well-traveled road, and you will struggle.
0: So the the antidote to that would be, are you drilling then... Your, your drills, are they more situational? How are you then? Because drilling obviously is a crucial part of mm-hmm. uh, improving your game, but then how do you make sure that they're not becoming just one, they're uh, kind of tunnel vision on their game and that they're able to adapt? How do I personally do that? Yeah, because that's, we don't do that. We don't just do technique all class. We right. have different methods. What, what's a way to have strong technique, but also adapt to the so situation?
1: One, one of the things I do that I don't think a lot of schools do, is I explain the, the how, the why, and the when, right? A lot of schools will teach you the what. This is what we're doing. That's it, right? And if you recognize that position at some point in the future, whether it's grappling for fun or in a competition or in a life-threatening scenario, in a self-defense situation, you are expected to recognize a position and apply what you know. I think one of the things I do, um, and I think more people should do it, I hope more people should do it, and, and I'm not saying that I'm right and they're wrong, only that I've seen a lot of success, is I explain why we're doing what we're doing. You know, These things have occurred, these things are troubling us, this is the remedy for it. That way you understand when to apply a move, because now that you know why we're doing it, you will be able to recognize when we're doing it. We're not gonna use this move. You could use, Henner once said, and it's a very, very good quote. He once said that the right move at the wrong time is the wrong move, and it's absolutely correct. So if I tell you why we have to do something, it becomes much easier to identify when we need to do something. It also helps you prioritize the, the attack pattern or the, the sequence of events that a technique requires, because now you'll know how it needs to happen. And then the what is easy, the what becomes the outcome. I, I, understand, what, I understand why I need to, to defend or why I need to attack. I understand when I need to do those things. I understand how I need to behave or how I need to act and that gives me an outcome The outcome becomes the what which is what most people teach they teach the outcome this is an iron bar here's how you get the submission they don't explain you they don't explain to you when to do it how to do it how to account for failures or or mistakes or difficulties you know they just expect you to cover that gap on your own which you can some people can most people cannot
0: so they basically say like this this technique exists it, it's an island it, it, here's what it, how, where it is it exists and then they, they, it's the guys have to figure out how to build a bridge to get to that point. You're, you're kind of saying like, all right, here's how you get there. Here's the roadmap. Here's the uh, here's the Rome to Rio
1: app to get you to this point. Right. And and I, I will teach you how to use that app. I will teach you how to, you know, make sure that you put in the correct information when it's appropriate to use that app. Mm-hmm. You know, and and how to execute that plan right Rome to Rio app get it now for all your travel necessities yeah so if anybody listening has a link to uh, Rome to Rio um, we're looking for sponsors and <laughs> yeah. um, we use it quite a bit in Europe oh and, a
0: ton it, it's, and, it helped us so much yeah,
1: absolutely and we're I'm going to Ireland you know very shortly here and um, actually when this comes out I'll be in Ireland and yeah it'll be nice to use that app there as well so if anybody's got a, a you know that looks to sponsor us, yeah. And you're involved with Rome to Rio, or, or not? It doesn't matter. We're we're down for it. Yeah. If you're at Rome to Rio
0: and you're uh, hoping to get a podcast that uh, has very little influence, you should give us some money. And, Absolutely. Uh, and well, I, I, yeah. I mean, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So all right. So that is that's a a a good way to point out because um, I've seen a lot of schools online where they drill a ton, and I mean technique is. What the one of the most important things in jujitsu, but you have to understand the context of that. And from what you're saying, it sounds like a lot of times context is not emphasized enough, so that you just have this this isolated technique that you know. Oh, it sits on this pedestal. Here's, let's look at what how what this is, but how it was created
1: you or, or why you need to use it
0: or why you should use it. Yeah. Um, so is, I'm going to move through this email. He also says, Croyler is an instructor. What do you find to be an effective way to plan the week, fortnight or month? Fortnight? Wow. Wow. Listen, Lincoln, I don't know who you're trying to impress.
1: That's but, the wrong, wrong podcast.
0: I know, but <laughs> fortnight? Uh, that's a way too highbrow for a couple of scumbags like us. So he, he says, I've heard of techniques of the week as an alternative to the instructor deciding at the start of the class do you think students would get bored doing closed guard for one or two months straight i know i wouldn't but that's just me
1: well tim i think you'd get it you do really well at our school yeah to... i think i think you're i think i'm the worst person to ask that
0: yeah like a month or two on techniques is is child's play
1: yeah i mean i'm i'm the the worst person to ask that because i am a perfectionist and i will cover every possible scenario in any given situation. We spent, I think, three and a half years on attacking close guard. We did not repeat any techniques. We did not review. We spent no time reviewing. Those were three and a half months of this is new material. Months or years? Sorry, three and a half years of this is new material. This is what expected. This is the situation you're in. This is how you behave here. This is how you chain it along. I, I did not, like I said, and I'm not saying this to sound like I know everything. I'm just saying that I have no problem playing the long game versus a short game. I'd rather my students be so well-rounded at the end of five years or 10 years that they have no problem with anybody. They'll be capable of doing anything they need anywhere versus doing a very fast pace where on uh, on the other extreme, it's a new technique every class and you're incapable of understanding what's happening, you're incapable of recalling, and you don't know how to chain attacks together. You know, that's that becomes a hodgepodge of garbage techniques.
0: Well, it was interesting going from your white belt class to your color belt class, because the white belt class is a very traditional right. course where we're learning the fundamentals, we're going through, essentially, was it a 15, 16? Six, 16 weeks. 16 week course, and then it repeats, right. because you always have new white belts coming in, you're mm-hmm. always going over it. So going through that course as a white belt I thought all right cool got this jiu jitsu understood uh, next please got my blue belt let's uh, hop into this next one and we'll what is it like a 32 week course cool let's <laughs> right. uh, little did I know it's just a it's in an infinite course where y- you you come in and it's like going from um, daycare to like uh, studying for your masters because there is, we go so in depth, and you talk about so every angle of everything we're doing. So, hey, guys, like right now we're doing, uh, we're working off uh, a deep, deep half. Yeah. And w- we've been there for how long?
1: We've been talking about half guard for about five months, four or five months now. Yeah. And I think
0: deep half for a month.
1: Month, and then we are in a subsection of deep half that we're gonna. We've been at this specific subsection of deep path for about a month as well.
0: And every single thing we go to, every single series, it's just breaking down every aspect of it. All right guys, the first thing is always here's here's like the move here's the technique, here's the move we're going for. And then you go, now what if they do this? Right. What if they put their hand here? What if they put their leg here? What if they Shit! In the middle of this, like you have, you have a answer for every (laughs) single scenario, and it it is very helpful because by the end of a series, I feel like whatever someone can do, we'll have an answer for. And I, because one of the reasons is, you'll go, "All right, guys, what could the person do from this point?" Blank faces. Yeah, there's nothing, and we can't think of anything, and then we know at that point, okay, cool, we learned what we had to. Right. So that method is about as comprehensive as it gets yes
1: i'm a very extremist person on that sense yeah and i've had other black belts that visited that flat out asked me like hey how well-rounded are your students if you're doing it that route because you know i've been doing it i've been teaching this for about 10 years now and we're we have not looped any classes we're 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 not we've never repeated any positions um how well-rounded could they be if i get a blue belt that's only been training for three and a half to four years let's say like you How good are they in the mount, really, if all they've done is close guard and half guard? Mm -hmm. My answer has always been just roll with them, feel it out. And it turns out that by understanding how, when, why, and what we're doing at any given position, all of you guys have developed a critical thinking ability and the ability to recognize and be self-aware of the positions that you're in. So even if you get to somewhere new that we haven't covered, as an example, you have never covered any north and south with me. Oh. But I'm very confident that if you got to north and south on somebody, you would know how to submit them because you would be able to take what you know and apply it in a different scenario.
0: So that's your reasoning, because it's a very good question where if someone says, oh, if they hear you say, I've had a lesson that uh, my curriculum has gone for 10 years and I've never repeated, then someone must... The first question I would have would be, so you have a ton of people who have never learned like north big part, north yeah. and south other areas and you're saying well i'm teaching i'm giving them the reasoning skills and is it the reasoning skills you're giving them or you're saying as we go through these techniques techniques
1: they'll see bridges to these positions that can be translated and well used absolutely other- it's both yeah. i give you the tools i give you the knowledge the ability and it becomes a matter of application and you're only cre- you know you're being creative in that application when you lack a position right uh, and, I, and i mean i don't mean lack as in you're deficient but maybe you don't have a sp- explicit techniques to do here, Mm -hmm. right? So you may learn a Kimura from bottom half and you become very good at Kimuras from bottom half. And then you get to North and South and you see an arm exposed and you think, hey, maybe I can do a Kimura here. Even though you have not properly been taught a Kimura from here, you can then connect the dots and say, hey, if (coughs) these principles and these concepts can apply here and I can create these angles, then I get get the, the Kimura and I get the tap. And it turns out that it works out just about every time. Of course, it may not be as technically proficient as when it's technically shown you how to do a Kimura from north and south, but it'll get you by until I get there.
0: Right. Okay, so if you teach, so would you say you're, I was gonna say you're teaching on the macro level, but you are also teaching, there's definitely the micro level because we are breaking things down. Correct. You're teaching maybe macro level tools and then like a micro level approach. focus on right. certain things maybe right. that be a fair as yeah
1: yeah i think i take a very very specific situation i develop it and i tell you how it fits in the big picture it's like knowing what the piece of the puzzle you just picked up means and where it goes in the puzzle even though the puzzle is not put together yet mm-hmm. and then you can take other pieces and You know, even though you can't see the full picture, you know what that other piece also means and how it also fits in the puzzle. So even if they don't connect right away, you know that they're how they're related to each other and you can fill the gap in between. Now,
0: one other thing that's mentioned in the email is people who have a lesson plan that is structured into the future and then also people who just kind of do what feels... Do whatever they feel. Teach whatever they feel like they should teach at the beginning of class. That's a
1: very Brazilian, old school Brazilian approach.
0: Ah, a kind of improvisational.
1: Teach what I feel like, what I want to do, what I'm good at. Is that something that your grandpa would do? Um, you know, I I can't honestly tell you that. Only because um, when I trained with my grandpa was at home. You know, it was just me and my cousins, or me and a few friends. It was never a formal. You know, it was never at the height of his ability where he would be on the mats, you know, doing the warmups, doing the techniques, watching all the roles. It was home. Grandpa mm-hmm. would say, hey, let's go to the back. He had a room full of mats. Let's go to the back and let's go train. You know, so I don't know how much of that was truly structured.
0: And that is a very different setting from in the school. Okay. Well, but like you said, it is, it's common out there. You said it's it's Brazilian. So, mm-hmm. A lot of schools, and I've been to a couple where you can tell the instructor's just kind of showing up right now and just whatever comes to them is what we're going to learn. Right. What are the pros and cons to that?
1: I can think of some cons. Um, The pros is you get to be exposed to a lot of different positions and techniques right away. The cons is you may not understand how they flow together. You may not be able to recall them. The techniques may blend over time and your instructor may not know exactly what you know.
0: Another thing also he points out is techniques of the week. So Mm -hmm. at our school, we will have a couple techniques of the week. Correct. We will focus on those basically Monday through Thursday. And for someone, some people might say, I like that we focus on it. And Monday... I'm struggling. I'm barely getting to it by Thursday. It's cemented. I've got it down. Muscle memory. Other people might say, "Well, God, that's such a slow pace. Four days to do one, a couple techniques. Uh, why do you spend so much time on each one?" So
1: I don't really care how fast you pick up a technique. I'm more to me. There, there's two things to 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 knowledge, right? One is the influx of knowledge. How much knowledge do I get? And two is you know what is my recall and application of that knowledge so let's say i showed a different technique every day the, in in a year it'll be roughly 300 techniques right if you don't count weekends so you learn 300 different techniques in a year at the end of the year i would say hey show me all 300 techniques you might show me 50. maybe 100 if you're skilled what happens to the 200 you you recognize them. If I showed it to you again, mm-hmm. you may say, "Oh, yeah, I've I've learned that. I remember that." Because you can recognize a technique, does not mean you're educated in it, and you're incapable of understanding how and when and to apply a technique. If you just recognize it, you need sure. to be educated in it. So, we look at. Um, so a great example is, like you you went to our classes where I'm like, all right, so. We did, you know, X amount of moves in this thing. Show me. How many people struggle with with that? A lot of people. Right. But towards the end of the series, right? What happens? They tend to show be able to show all the techniques. It kind of flows. Think of when we did lasso. We did roughly fifty-four techniques in lasso. So um At first, everybody was struggling. They Mm -hmm. didn't understand. It was foreign to them, and they were having a hard time. At the end of it, I said, all right, show me all the techniques. And I could almost skip. i said, hey, Andrew, do three techniques. Hey, Claude, do another three. Victor, do another three. And you guys could hit up to 54 without ever having to start or necessarily finish the series on your own. Like, you had the ability to recall exactly what the next step was, because I gave you enough time to become aware of the series of each individual technique to develop questions, understand how it flows together versus just forcing it on you because I could have covered 54 techniques in 54 days, right? And then your your ability to recall or even understand how they are would not work. Right, that makes sense.
0: So the last bit of this email, we have him say, how much time should be spent on being defensive? This touches on what we're gonna do next week. All right, so the next, the last part of this email, Tim. Oh man, I'm sorry, Tim. I just noticed this at the bottom. It says Tim, and he tells us he's a Libra. So, okay. Before we finish this, we should probably see what the relationship is between a Libra and an Aries. My mother is a Libra. I'm surprised you know that.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So, Tim, you and Croyler have a very close bond. Did did you, as I read this email, did you have like this? Almost Did you feel like a connection to him in like a, on a maternal level? I, I'm going to
1: walk out of this. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right, so we'll get back to the question. Thank you, Tim. Uh, how much time should be spent on being defensive versus being offensive while rolling? And he says he rolls with higher belts a lot, and as a result, his defensive game is much better than his offensive game. He found when rolling with people less experienced than himself that he doesn't have the confidence or skill to go on the attack much, even when he sees openings that he should capitalize on.
1: I think the best answer to that is to wait until next week.
0: (laughs) That that is true. Uh, The next week's episode is all about that, so we will address it then. Now, this is the end of the email. We were going to do another listener email, but I think we'll save that for another week because we basically, we're we're at our time here. Um, But I, I... that was a very Tim. Thank you for that email. There's a lot of thought put into that. There's a lot to go through.
1: Although I didn't appreciate the the Aries comment.
0: Oh come that on! That was just
1: completely unnecessary. I I would have thought much highly of you. Right now, you're just kind of an email.
0: But people are connecting you on a connecting with you now on a cosmic level. There's this celestial connection that we all have to you. Well, some of us don't have because our zodiacs probably was, don't mix.
1: I hope with... that sigh was audible enough.
0: <laughs> all right. <you> know, <laughs> before we go, I didn't want to do this, but because of, because of oh, th- this God. attitude at the end, we have to check back in with Croiler being
1: saved by the barbarian horde. Oh, Jesus. Do you have notes? Of How do you remember this stuff? Uh,
0: it's just in me. It's in my DNA now. Please it's, don't
1: say that's in you.
0: It's It's in my DNA. We're just gonna do a quick recap. You are now. You jump through a a portal through time and space. You are saved. There's some uh, some barbarians in the forest. They said, "Help us!" There's some geklar, it's a lizard-like people that took over them their, their villages, and they said, "Here's this sword. You're our savior." You took the sword. Now you're just in the woods. And you saw these eyes, these glowing eyes coming out from the trees. You're surrounded by men and women. Oh, you! you they gave you a harem because you're right. the savior. You remember that, I know. I remember your <laughs> eyes lit up when I said that. And so now you're standing there with this sword and these gecklar, these lizard-like people covered in like chain mail. And some of them have um, like, like leather armor. They have okay. swords. They're walking out and everyone all of these barbarians they look at you and they're waiting for help
1: is there any sort of special ability built into the sword
0: well the sword is in your hand it's it's sheathed right now
1: if i pull if i drew the sword out of the sheath
0: oh and i did mention it didn't look like a great sword but you all right you draw it from the sheath and you hear oh finally i'm out of here well hello looks like you're in quite a pickle may i help you And you, the the voice appears to be coming from the sword.
1: That's a very weird voice for a sword. I I know the sword says,
0: "Oh well, could I help you? What is your name?"
1: So I would tell a sword that you know I need its help.
0: Oh, you're not even going to give her your name? No. You have a magical sword (laughs) that says, "Hello, I'm a magical sword. How can I help you?" And you just go. Or no, they said, what's your name? And you go, I need your help. Shut up.
1: I mean, I didn't say shut up. I mean, this magical sword needs to understand that there's a dire situation at hand.
0: Okay. So you tell her there's a dire situation at
1: hand. Correct.
0: Okay. Well, uh, my name is uh, Ladriel. Uh, I am a living sword.
1: sword.
0: And I understand that was a little, you're being a little rude, but uh, if, let let me see if you could just kind of point me towards danger. So, so
1: I point her towards you danger. Point her
0: towards danger. She goes, Oh my heavens. Well, let me help you with this. Just hold on tight, little fella.
1: I've never heard that, but that's okay. Little fella? Yeah. Being just you just this as a descriptive of me. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Alright, so you hold on tight and these Geklar all of a sudden they, they jump out axes, swords, they're coming for the people. However, this this sword Aladriel draws you and like a samurai who has been training for years you use this sword like a work of art it's leading you you just have to hold on tight ribbons of blood flying through the air heads arms tails lizard eyes lizard feet everything claws flying through the air you finish about 10 minutes later you don't even know what's happened you're out of breath you are drenched in blood but surrounded by a bunch of living barbarians and they are looking at you in awe and you're looking around surrounded by these people covered in blood. Uh-huh. Uh, is there anything like
1: what, what? I mean, there's nothing to it. I mean, this is a great, it's a great feeling. It's a great feeling. Do you want to say thank you to the sword that just yeah, did this? Yeah, I would say, hey, this is my name. Thanks for the help. This this is my name. Well, you have to say my name is. My name is Croiler, and oh, thanks hello, for the help. Hello, Croiler. Oh, Jesus. I'm so glad to announce
0: you. Oh, well, you see. I am a living sword and I feast on blood and I, I'm changing accents for right yeah, now. I now it's becoming like a Southern yeah. woman. Uh, well, you see, I just saved you in your life. Now there's one small price that I ask. <laughs>
1: you want full Southern there, but that's okay. It Keep is. Going. Now I'm just going Southern yeah, because right.
0: I like the idea of a Southern sword. woman okay, all sword. Right. Uh, my price is that your fate is mine. Your life is mine. And for the rest of your life, I will be born on your hip. Okay. You're okay with that. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. And and I, all right, I thought I'd get a little <laughs> more pushback on that one. All right, well, uh, so the people, they, they, they turn around and they say, you you are the savior, we are taking you back to our village. And, and they're going to guide you now to their village, where I can only assume it'll be like a Star Wars Return of the Jedi, where-
1: That's what I figured you would say. <laughs>
0: you'll be like partying in the woods yeah. With, yeah, with- Yeah, that's with, what I would with, expect. With you. So you're heading back there. We'll, we'll cover that next week. But man, you've got to be exciting. You have a, a living sword now. Uh He's got magical powers. Magic. Well,
1: yeah, living sword is... I mean, but, but the sword also doesn't... I mean, it could just be an, an asshole of a sword, just talk shit the whole time. But it's actually a very useful, powerful sword. I can appreciate
0: that. And it's a friendly sword. You're not very friendly to it. You're kind of... You, you, you're treating it like an object, but I, gotta, I, I got, think... I got
1: to warm up to it.
0: You have to warm up. And I think, uh, I think years from now, we'll see that you guys have a very strong bond maybe romantically uh we'll just see where this (laughs) right all right well that's good for now we'll see everybody next time